And welcome back to Because She Is. I'm Kelly. I'm Maureen. I'm Lisa. And this is our third podcast. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about why people don't come forward when trauma occurs, when uh, sexual assault or trauma occurs with uh, domestic violence. And... Lisa. Lisa. Lisa was the one who uh, brought this up. It's an interesting topic. So. Uh, yeah, I think that oftentimes when we're young and assault happens, um, obviously the guilt and the shame come with telling anybody because you always feel like someone's going to blame you in some way. Um, but also thinking you can handle it and you can figure it out on your own, especially in college or high school. Um, you know, you went to a party, you drank too much, and you feel like it was maybe your fault or someone's going to think that it's your fault. Even knowing it's not, and we all in today's society know that that's not the case, just because you're drunk doesn't give somebody the right to take advantage of you uh, in that state. But I think that also that is one of the reasons why women or girls don't come forward because they're embarrassed and ashamed and think they can handle it on their own and figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah, and then what ends up happening is you might have it under control for a while, but it does come out years later in other ways. It triggers you as an adult, as a woman, and in relationships moving forward. It could be 20 years later. It could be five years later. It it does come up, um, and it could knock you off your feet with the emotions and the feelings that you have, or you could just be confused as to why you're feeling so uncomfortable and um, uneasy and you don't really even know what it is and it affects you in ways that you didn't know because you didn't take care of it when you were younger and go to therapy and seek the proper help uh, that you need to or needed to at the time and telling somebody is you know admitting a little bit of knowing that you should have maybe come forward sooner or that this might have been stopped if you had done something and said something uh, earlier. Do you think some of the times, too, um, I know that we talked about this several meetings ago um, where we said, um, you know, parents, particularly when they have kids in high school or going off to college, they don't have really raw, honest conversations with their kids. Everybody wants to think, oh, I know my kid's going to drink. I know they're probably going to meet something. I know they're going to experiment. And which is which are certain rites of passage, whether mm-hmm. people agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a daughter. So I don't know that parents who have daughters have conversations about sexuality about the fact that, yes, you're going to fall for a boy. Yes, you might have too much to drink. Yes, it might feel good. Everything feels good. And then when it comes to that moment, you still have the right to say no, Mm -hmm. even if you had too much to drink. And also, boys' parents having those conversations with to protect their Mm -hmm. sons, to say, look... You might meet a girl. She might look like, you know, she's ready to go and she's had a lot to to drink and she's feeling it and you're both involved in it. But if she says no in that last minute, she says no. Because I know that 
before I actually had sex with my the first boyfriend I had sex with, mm-hmm. we started and stopped a few times, and I wasn't drunk, and right. I wasn't trying to be a tease, and I wasn't trying to be... Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yes, I dressed up to to look pretty for him. I sure. wanted him to look at me and, you know, think in my 16, 17-year-old mind that, you know, I was sexy or I was cute. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is why we have to have conversations about this because it's almost like we don't give kids permission to feel the things that they feel in their bodies. Women get just as horny as as men do. Mm-hmm. Young girls want sex just as much as boys do. But every single person has the right to turn around and say, mm-hmm. hey, right. I don't think I want to do this. I'm sure there are boys who go in thinking, I want to have sex, I want to have sex, and then in the last minute decide you know what I, I really don't want to do this right. mm-hmm. and and they have the right to feel that way too I think it's a whole conversation yeah that if we had that then perhaps um victims wouldn't feel ashamed to mm-hmm. come forward because right. I think a lot of them feel like they're well we know they're going to be asked mm-hmm. what did you do what did you wear mm-hmm. that this is not like a new concept but well interestingly that you're saying that interestingly en- enough I I told Maureen recently, you know, when I started coming to the meetings that uh, when I was in high school, uh, high school, when I was in college, I had been very good friends with this handsome fraternity guy, and we had hooked up one night at a party, both consensual. Um, I wasn't really drunk. I knew what I was doing, and... It was over. It was fine. And I walked away from that and we still stayed friends. And then the following year, I was drunk. I drank too much and went back to his place and I said no. And he was very forceful. And I, thank God, was able to get out of there. He fell asleep on top of me and I was able to push him off me and and get out of there. And I ended up driving around for an hour lost because I couldn't figure out how to get back to my apartment because I was so upset about what just happened, but didn't want to tell anybody because I thought it's your own fault. Plus you slept with him already. Mm-hmm. Who's going to believe you? They, mm-hmm. Your friends already knew that you had hooked up with this guy and no one's going to believe that now you're with him and you said no. Like, why would you say no? Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. for years. I never told anybody actually um, until I talked to Maureen after one of our group meetings and thought, wait a second, that he shouldn't have done that. Like I said no, and I tried to push him off me several times, and he had my hands and held them, you know, above my head and was holding them down. He was a strong guy, and again, I still felt like it was my fault. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have went back to his house. I had already been with him one time, so I let him, you know, believe the wrong thing, and I didn't realize for twenty some odd years that that was assault yes. and rape because I essentially I said no several times and I wasn't drunk too drunk to know that I didn't want to do that and that I wasn't right. comfortable um, but it wasn't until the meeting that I had gone to that something triggered in me and I remembered that that had happened so I think it can if you don't talk about it and deal with it at the time it's going to come out in ways that you Sometimes don't even know. Hundred percent. And I'm, um, you know, again, 20, 20 some odd years later, after college, I'm sitting in a group meeting, and that triggered me to remember that and realize this was not something that I had to hold on to and be shamed and, and embarrassed and and ashamed of anymore. That I 
was a 20-year-old or 21-year-old kid, and I said no, and it, it shouldn't have happened. Um, and I don't have to live with that guilt or shame that it was my fault um, that it happened. So I think oftentimes at a young age, you feel like somehow you could have stopped it or somehow you take responsibility for whatever happened to you in some way. You kind of internalize it and make it like, maybe it is my fault. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I should have done something different. Um, but you can't sweep that under the rug and, and pretend like your gut is telling you if something's not right, it's not right. Yes, absolutely. And you can't, you know, everybody, you know, we tell our kids, listen to your gut. Mm -hmm. If you're going somewhere with friends, I know if I had a son, if you're going somewhere with friends, if you're in a car, they want to do something and you suddenly realize I'm not comfortable with this. I want to get out of the car. We tell our kids get out of the car. Mm -hmm. Yes, you agreed to go with them. Yes, you were all in. You were, and then all of a sudden something told you, no, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. it's this it is the same thing as mm -hmm. sex. Right. It is the same thing as, no, I'm ready for this. No, I want to do this. No, he's so handsome or she's so cute or whatever. And then for whatever reason you think, wait, 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 I, I, I really don't want to do this. Right. I thought I was ready, but I'm not. Right. Everybody has the right to say, I'm you know what? I thought I was, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. And it, it it doesn't. There there shouldn't be blame, right? Placed but I think on as someone a survivor, who changes their mind, right? As a survivor, you tend to take the blame because you were abused as a child yes. or sexual you know abuse as a child or assault. Um, I think you tend. We all tend to take some sort of responsibility because. Who else's fault would it be? If it happened to me, I'm I'm part in that and I'm taking part in that and, and I feel responsible in some way. I shouldn't have gotten in that car. I shouldn't have went into that house. I shouldn't have gone to the, the movies or wherever it's happening or it happened. You're always going to take some sort of responsibility or feel like it's, it's your fault in some way. And how do you change that? You change that by talking about it and opening up about it and sharing what you're feeling because I guarantee... There'll be 10 other people in that room shaking their head, yeah, that they can understand and they agree with you or that they feel that it, at some point in their life they went through that. I actually had um, a male adult family member when he found out um, that I, all the different sexual abuses that I had gone through, you know, I told him about my stepdad and then I told him about the store owner and I told him about the doctor. And after I told him about the doctor, he actually looked me in the eye and he said, I got to ask you, like, you know, were you, you know, trying to flirt? Were you trying, you know, were you trying to get attention and it just went too far? And I said, I was 12 and 15. They were older men. Right. Why in the world would you go to... Well, if this has happened to you so many times, it has to be something that you did. And this was this was a man that I adored. Mm. And he said, well, uh, then I guess it was just bad luck. No. No. It no. had nothing to do with bad luck. Right. It had to do, you know, maybe the wrong place at the wrong time or the wrong place or... Or the place I was supposed to be because I was buying milk and mm -hmm. getting a doctor's, you know, getting a checkup. Right. But the wrong person... Mm -hmm. who was taking care of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the fact that a full-grown man could look at you and say that maybe at 12 and 15, you mm -hmm. were really, like, I was some sort of Lolita. Right. And I thought, no. for years, right. 
Then maybe he's maybe, right. Maybe, you know, maybe I was given off something. Maybe I was... And, and again, you're mm-hmm. shamed mm-hmm. for... Or someone points to your sexuality. Right, which makes you feel responsible and, in and some way. And tries to, yeah, tries to put the blame on your mm-hmm. sexuality somehow. I don't really know how many 12-year-olds understand their sexuality. Right. Um, but... You know, I just thought how irresponsible of you to say it. I was right. 25 when he said it to me, so yeah. thank God. Right, you weren't. But I just, I kind of looked at him, I was like, I can't even believe that you're trying to figure out a way to justify mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. men doing what they did to me because I just, I just, I, it was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. because one was a store owner and one was a doctor, I guarantee I wasn't the only one of that they didn't do. No, no. no. So, no, it wasn't me. But it's very typical that um, men of your relative's generation uh-huh. shift the narrative and mm-hmm. allocate a, a lion's share of the portion of responsibility onto the person who was assaulted mm-hmm. and the, the person the who, was, who, was, who was the victim right. mm-hmm. of it. And, and that's just the way it went way back when. Mm-hmm. But okay, don't make us sound like we're ancient. <laughs> way back when, in Egyptian times, when the pyramids were built. Well, way back when, well, let's face it, when when my mom, when my mom was growing up, now that's the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Nobody knows how old we are. Yes, we they do, because you told them last week. <laughs> and I told them last week, so yeah. So I don't think we gave up your age, Lisa. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, no, she's, she's the youngster in the group. <laughs> yes. But, you know, that, and that's just the way it was. You know, and it's interesting that you're saying that because when I was at this party this past weekend celebrating the Woodstock 50th anniversary Woodstock, so woo-hoo. you can imagine the, the clientele <laughs> that were there, you know, hippy-dippies, which was fine. One of, I was at a, a, a friend of ours' house, and one of the, a couple showed up, and they were in their 70s, and both lawyers and freedom fighters and you know marched and like they were really interesting people and the woman found out what I did working for the organization that I work for and what what we do here and she said to me I have a question for you and I was like sure what you know what's what is it and she said how come which I thought was really interesting how come some people can tell right away when something's not right and they report it and they say you know tell the parent or tell somebody right away and then other people don't and I said well could you elaborate because yeah. there's a huge that's a huge spectrum and she that said really is. when her mom and this woman was in her 70s she said when her mom was younger her mom had been sent to live to spend the summers with a friend of uh, with a cousin of hers mm-hmm. and the cousin happened to live with a boyfriend and the girl was young the, this woman's mother was very young and she said at about three weeks in the boyfriend had tried to inappropriately touch her and was making her very uncomfortable she said that her mother every day was sent to the store with like a five cents or a couple of pennies Mm -hmm. to buy something um and every day she instead of buying something candy or whatever she saved that money and finally when she had enough money she used that money to go to a payphone and call her mother and say um mother said oh how are you how is everything she said can you come get me and the minute she said to her mother, can you come get me? The mother said, I'll be right there. She knew right away mm-hmm. that something wasn't right. And she said, is it, whatever this kid's name was, Jimmy or whatever the guy's name was, is it Jimmy? And she said, yes. Yeah. She said, I'll be right there. So the mother came and got her out of that situation. 
But she told me later that she found out that he had been doing it to one of the cousins who was a boy mm-hmm. also at the same right. time. Mm-hmm. And that boy didn't tell for years, mm-hmm. years and years and years, yeah. never told. And she said to me, why do you think that is? Why do you think my mother knew enough to say no and be uncomfortable and then tell her mother and this other boy who was doing the same thing? And I said, I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't really know. But I feel like it's it has a lot to do with what you're telling your children growing up. But even if you tell your kids the same exact thing, someone who's more outspoken and more outspoken and more confident or more comfortable in their own skin might say, heck no, I'm not, this doesn't feel right and I'm gonna tell. The boy in the situation might have been really uncomfortable because he was a male and it was right. a male doing it to him. Yes. He was ashamed, yeah. he was embarrassed. He yeah. was, so that might have been why he just chose not to tell. Yeah. Um, because there was so much guilt and shame associated with the fact that it was the same sex doing this to him. There's a million different reasons as to why we choose to tell or not tell. And I don't think that there's any one specific reason that you can give to people like, you know, as to what they're what they're going through. Because every person's situation is different. I would go one further. How was it that her mother just knew? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. But it makes me wonder, mm-hmm. was her mother ever approached or put in an uncomfortable situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because right. we've all said that I know for me, the minute, the minute I get the wrong vibe about someone, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to give you a second chance. And I will eventually find out most of the time I was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think it is because you're tuned in to it a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas when something hasn't happened to you, right. it's not what you're looking for. You're not on high. Like right. you're not reading the signs that now we know. Right. Yeah. You know, now now we know because of the people who hurt us. Mm-hmm. We kind of know that there are su- subtleties that can be missed. Right. Yeah. But we will pick them up. Right away. Yeah. And even to this day, we'll still be like, oh, I got to stop. You know, I got to, I got to, I can't judge everyone by my past. But then it comes to pass mm-hmm. that you were right. Absolutely. And your gut, we were talking about this in meeting mm-hmm. today. Go, if you, if you go with your gut, your gut is almost never, ever wrong. It's a sure. feeling inside that you can't put a word to, you can't verbalize. It's just a feeling that you get. Maybe the hair on your neck stands up or the hair on your arm stand up when someone's around. You just get that gut feeling and that is usually what you have to go by. Not who cares if the person's nice to you and kind and is treating you well or taking you out or if you have that feeling inside like something's off, there's something off. Mm-hmm. You have to go with that and, 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 and trust yourself. And I think we tend to not trust ourselves when we are victims of abuse. I think we tend to doubt that we have that ability to Go with our gut. Like your gut's not not going to steer you in the wrong direction. Or we push it away because, you know, again, we keep referring to the meetings, but these are all the conversations that we have. Um, you feel guilt. You feel shame because you don't want to put your family through something. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. You, you know, I know for me it was. Well, what am I? What will my mom do if I tell her about my stepdad? Will my mom believe me? Mm-hmm. Um, when I did say it, I think I told both of you that a great aunt of mine, once everything came to light, looked at me and she said, I don't understand, Maureen, you know, why can't, 
why can't you just move past this? I mean, after all, he gave you a name. And I remembered saying, he gave me a name. Yes, he gave you his name. You have a name. That's important. Like, like he wanted you when you belong. And I thought, I already had a name. I didn't need his name, mm-hmm. but he legitimized me. And that, again, was the culture of the time, that mm-hmm. your, yes. your great aunt was coming out of the 20s and 30s, right. where legitimacy, quote-unquote legitimacy, where parents were married, mm-hmm. that was the culture of the time. Just so that anybody listening knows, my mother was not married when she had me, so my stepfather gave me a name and that and that was so incredibly important let's face it the you know for for people who who were born quote unquote out of wedlock that was an enormous deal you know who frankly who gave two craps but right. women did not have power women did not really have power you before 1971 women could not have credit cards in their own name they could not sign a mortgage without their with their their Can husband's consent that? Like that is before lifetime. before 1971 the yeah. rights of women were so curtailed that having a man's name attached to theirs was important property rights owning money mm-hmm. having money having bank accounts having credit cards that was important. So that's where your great aunt was coming from. As far as you and I and Lisa would be concerned, we'd be like, well, screw you and the horse you rode in on. Mm-hmm. But we were raised in the late 60s, early 70s, and early 80s. We became young women during that time where 1971, 75, 76, mm-hmm. all of those decisions where laws became enacted where we could do so much more but even with everything that we can do now this one topic absolutely is still in the dark ages absolutely it is and i really honestly and truly think it's because people cannot remove the emotion from it and just have a conversation Mm -hmm. and be honest It, it it's shameful it's uncomfortable it's you know and trying to do what we're doing is to open up the conversation and and try to understand and and just support each other, not point fingers, not be angry, not judging. We just want to open up conversations to say, just as you would to someone who is hit by a car and had a traumatic brain injury, just as you would to someone who lost lost someone they loved in in a tragic way, to be able to look at each other and say, you know what, what you're feeling is valid. Yeah. What happened to you is terrible. We're grieving the loss. Most of us are, are grieving the loss either of our innocence, our trust, our childhood, our love, our <laughs> childhood. Yeah. We're grieving. And I, I don't I just don't know that the conversation's been expanded to that level yet. Right. I agree. That was a good topic, Lee. Kudos to you. <laughs> Cheers, girlfriend. Three peas in a pod. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So now Kelly's going to give us some information now. Yes, I am. So if this topic can trigger a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of feelings, um, and uh, if you need to talk with someone, if you're listening in the U.S., um, the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Uh, it's free and it's confidential, and you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, so you can call uh, 1-800-656-HOPE. And let's see 
Uh, if you are in New Jersey, uh, as are we, uh, if you need the New Jersey Domestic Violence Hotline, it is 1-800-572-SAFE, that's 7233. Uh, and if you need the New Jersey Coalition Against Sexual Assault, it's 1-800-601-7200. Uh, they're both 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you go to www.becausesheis.org, uh, you'll see that we have uh, the resources on our website. And, and they can write us. And they if can. If a topic they want they to, you guys want to discuss, if anything you want us to talk about. Absolutely. You can, can certainly write the organization write an email to us and we can talk about it yes, yes. you can do that at info to. at because she uh, let us know what you're thinking about as far as topics are concerned and we'll be happy to um take a topic and, and also, talk about it what what any ideas they may have because as we're growing our first location which is called Marilyn's place they may have ideas for us to incorporate into the house, into the groups, into the women who come here for the support that they need. And, um, you know, it can actually help us develop our programs even more than we are already. And we, we also would be willing, I think, safe to say that all three of us are willing to go to speak if you want us to come to a school or if you're Absolutely. affiliated with some sort of organization that you feel might benefit from hearing us talk, um, even just to ask questions and, and get, you know, some, some information, we'd be happy to travel and, and do that as well. So if Absolutely. you, if you're interested in that, you can always write into the info at because she is.org as well. We're, we're pretty cool chicks. We can really yes. talk about this and, uh, have a good conversation and even a sense of humor because, right. In the end, what we've all learned is you can be happy. You can have a full life after trauma. Mm -hmm. And we all had moments in our lives when we didn't think that that was possible. And we that that's the goal, to let survivors know mm -hmm. if they're willing to live through their discomfort and share and um, open themselves up again, you can live a full, happy life. Yeah, and have a beautiful, a beautiful life, a beautiful existence, and not just suffer in silence, which is what so many of us do, I think, or did for so long. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I that's we did it. Number three. <laughs> okay, high five, girls. All right. We got number three under our belt. All Woo! right. <laughs> so we'll see you all again next week. I'm Kelly. I'm Maureen. I'm Lisa. Have a good one.